We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to the Week 11 Pro Football Focus Show here on Roto-Grinders, where you can play whoever you want at any position you want. I am Britt Devine, uh, here with PFF's Ian Harditz. You can find him on Twitter at uh, iHarditz. That's I-H-A-R-T-I-T-Z. Uh, Ian, my dude, what is up? Uh, you know, this week, we did, we don't have the main quarterbacks, but between injuries and position eligibility and some injury news that's coming. You know, we still don't even know what's going to happen with Devontae Adams as we start this. Uh, it's turning into a pretty interesting DFS week. Yeah, man. Uh, you know, had a game plan coming in this morning, but, you know, I'm usually up pretty late Thursday night recording after the game. So I sleep in, I wake up, I check my phone, and, oh, okay, everything I thought I knew about this slate has been turned on its head. Because now we got Taysom Hill season and going to probably have to start him in our, all across, you know, cash lineups throughout the industry. So it is what it is. We adjust, we move on just like we have all year. 2020, the year that just keeps on giving in a DFS land. Yeah, you can uh, play him in tight end over on FanDuel. If you got your season longs, you can do some weird stuff depending on the sites you're on. It's too late by the time you get this to rush out to your waiver wire and pick them up. Someone else already has. Um, but it's really turning into a, a very interesting week. Uh, and we'll dive into that as we progress through the show. But we always like to start at the top, going over Ian's uh, main article over on PFF, the Mismatch Manifesto, uh, where he goes over a lot of, uh, you know, this versus that team versus team and the trenches, pass rates, pace, and all that sort of stuff. 
uh, and a lot of interesting tidbits you can draw on this for your own DFS uh, lineups throughout the week. So, Ian, let's right, jump right into this. Uh, let's look at the uh, explosive play rate. These are always nice to get those big chunk plays from your DFS players. Uh, what can we look at this week? Any particular games that stand out? Yeah, just so people know, I'm taking the offense explosive uh, pass play rate and then adding the defenses as well. So instead of, you know, saying, OK, we got the number three ranked offense versus number 25th ranked defense, one way metrics all the way around. So what what this is telling us is that Kirk Cousins is set up to absolutely smash against his Cowboys defense. Will he have the volume? You know, that's kind of the only question. Uh, yeah, I, I think we have to answer. But, you know, definitely should be able to make it some big, big days for Adam Thielen, Justin Jefferson alike, as long as they, you know, have uh, at least somewhat of a chance uh, to, you know, clear five targets or so. Also seeing Patrick Mahomes, Deshaun Watson, and Justin Herbert popping, man. Herbert's the one particularly where we got a Jets defense that has already been pretty rough, but now we look at some of the uh, injuries and things that they're dealing with. It's probably going to be a lesser version of already one of the worst defenses in the league. Uh, on the other side of the coin, we got Carson Wentz, Joe Flacco, Joe Burrow, Lamar Jackson, and Tom Brady could somewhat struggle. Look, man, this was the chart last week that kind of took us to, uh, you know, being willing to take a chance on the Rams defense because Russell Wilson was popping as someone that could struggle. So it's one piece of the puzzle as always, but I will say, you know, Tom Brady against the Rams on Monday night, that looks a little bit more uh, troubling than normal. And, you know, with the Joe Burrow matchup, the more and more I look at it, and we'll get onto it a little bit more in the pressure uh, stats when we get there, but I'm just worried about the Washington football team's chances of actually just nuking this entire Bengals game plan. We talked about it all year, man. Pressure is the Bengals' kryptonite. Washington can bring it. Yeah, uh, so you can take a look at this and everything else we're going to discuss uh, over at Pro Football Focus. You do need the Edge subscription to get that. Uh, but lots of good articles that Ian puts out, along with uh, just a plethora of just about any statistic you would want to find over there. Uh, let's go down to pace. Uh, you know, getting a lot of plays in a game is something that's extremely important for DFS. What is standing out on the pace matchups this week? Yeah, had the Cardinals Seahawks, uh, you know, track meet already go on Thursday night. So now that leaves us with the Cowboys and Vikings as the fastest as the fastest pace game. We saw the Cowboys start to kind of take their foot off the gas, try some different things after Dalton got hurt. But I think with him back there, for better and for worse, they truly do seem to believe that, you know, they can kind of run their Dak Prescott version of their offense with Andy Dalton. To me, this is more of a positive for the Vikings than anyone on the Cowboys, like the fact that we could see more volume than usual for this passing game purely because of the their there being a higher chance for overall plays run, I think that's uh, you know a little bit more enticing than going too much back to ball with this Cowboys team. Because remember, you know we've seen this offense with Dalton already with with this offensive line they currently have. It's impossible for pretty much anyone to make too much happen uh, there. On the other side, we got the Lions and Panthers. As well as as well as the uh, Dolphins and Broncos, uh, really standing out as some of the slower paced matchups. The Dolphins Broncos one man, particularly you know, I, we, both of us on here, we like to bet the overs. Like, why, why are you wasting our time with the unders usually? But that Dolphins Broncos game is the one that kind of sticks out to me. Like, I just don't know how we're going to be getting a bunch of points scored. Drew Locke's already banged up. Tua's going across the country. You know, he hasn't been asked to do much already. It, it, it's always tough because maybe the Miami and Broncos defense, like, they find a way to score points and all that. But I just don't really see in too many uh, total yards being put up by either offense. In that one you're forgetting the miami defense scores two touchdowns every single exactly <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're forgetting that and you know what uh minnesota that just means more delvin cook run plays if you ask me i don't yeah. know about the passing game we'll True. talk about that as we as we progress through the show here uh what else do you want to look at here we can look at pressure pressure is always something good uh that's yards before contact let me scroll back up here uh you want to talk about the washington defense here they're really good and cincinnati obviously struggles here that looks like it could be troublesome for Cincinnati I've got a different play on that on the offensive side for Washington uh, for tournaments that I'll talk about in a little bit here but what are you seeing in the trenches 
Uh, good for defense, bad for quarterbacks. Yeah, look, the Steelers are just – they're setting the PFF record right now for pressure rate in a single season. So, Jake Luton, good luck, man. I think James Robinson will get his, but otherwise I'm staying away from that Jacksonville offense. Also, Joe Flacco against the Chargers, not looking good. And also, Drew Locke against the Dolphins. So, those are kind of the matchups we should particularly uh, expect to be tough, you know, in terms of just having time to throw. On their side of things, we got Aaron Rodgers, Phillip Rivers, and Ben Rossberger standing out as guys that should have plenty of time to throw. Now, you know, we see with this. Pressure is part of, partly a QB stat, partly an offensive line stat. I mean, it's not like, uh, you know, the Packers or Colts or even the Steelers necessarily boast just the league's far and away best offensive line and pass blocking. These are veteran quarterbacks that know how to get the ball out quickly, know how to take what the defense gives them. So that's kind of why, man, I, I'm confused why the Colts are as big of kind of, they're not huge favorites. I think they're two-point favorites right now. But even without Devontae Adams, man, I think Aaron Rodgers could be able to move the ball against his defense. And even if it's not, you know, to their usual high standard, I don't know that we can expect the Colts to really have all that much more success than the Packers. So that's an interesting game. I think we'll talk about a little bit more when we get to our best bets. Uh, let's go down just a little bit and talk about yards before contact. These are the trench battles. Uh, this is the Dalvin Cook player of the week for sure, in my <laughs> opinion. Just stands out about as good as it can possibly get here. What else is interesting? It looks like New England. Uh, there's a couple ways you can play that game, in my opinion, from the run game. Um, and, and then maybe what are a couple run games we want to avoid this week? Yeah, and just so everyone knows, I did take it, you know, for only running back. So, you know, sometimes he's getting flitted. The Giants have like the 10th or 11th best offensive line. Uh, if you only, if you also include the Daniel Jones run. So I had to do something to try to even that out. But, you know, Patriots, yeah, man, it's Damon Harris's look good, but truly the offensive line is just playing, you know, big boy, just physical football. Lady. So I think we're seeing that kind of mix and it's worked out so well. So we need to keep an eye on Sony Michelle. He's been practicing, but because he's still on the IR, we don't have, you know, the daily updates. So if he gets activated on Saturday that's problematic but otherwise we can fire up you know uh, Damon Harris has a legit top 20 option at the position I think a preferred uh, a DFS start and then also yeah Dalvin Cook week for sure Cowboys are on the most yards before contact per rush this season also seeing Miles Sanders pop man and we'll see what, kind of what the projected ownership ends up being for him because no Miles Garrett now in Cleveland could be Miles Sanders week. You know, it's another game in Cleveland where it's not going to be ideal weather. I don't think we have as much wind concern as in past weeks, but could certainly still be, you know, a muddy, rainy game out there. And that would seemingly lend itself to more success on the ground. Uh, we also have the Falcons uh, popping off as a team that shouldn't have uh, much success. But you know what? Todd Gurley is seemingly just going to be getting 30 to 40 rushing yards and multiple touchdowns per week. So we'll see if he can uh, keep up that sort of touchdown pace. But uh, either way, shouldn't have too much consistent success on the ground. And then finally, the Panthers just aren't looking all that good against the Lions. It's been a situation with Mike Davis where I think it's been a little bit fluky in kind of his uh, just down weeks. But still, not, not, not the best matchup for him to get back on track necessarily. Yeah, you got. And it looks like Teddy Bridgewater. He was looking pretty iffy to play. There's some, you know, some practice reports are coming live right as we're doing the show. Uh, they they're not giving out hope. He's out there moving around at practice today. We'll see if he plays. Uh, Devonte Adams back at practice on Friday. That's a big plus for the Packers. Uh, one of the bets I have this week as well. I need him to play uh, for that to count on there. So as uh, any injury news, uh, I wanted to see both of those guys on the field. It looks like they both are going to be there. Uh, all right, let's finish this up. Anything else you really want to talk about? EPA, 
Uh, anything else really standing out in your manifesto? Yeah, last thing with the EPA, you know, we've talked about this throughout the year. We're betting on two positive, betting the over for two positive teams. Has been pretty solid overall, 35, 29, and two on the season. And, you know, the one week that killed us, it was like one and seven, was pretty much just that weather week where clearly you shouldn't be betting the overs, uh, you know, when we can't kind of put 25 mile power wins into the equation. So, again, like everything on this, need to take it as a bit of a grain of salt. You know, it's one piece of the puzzle. But with that said, I think Patriots, Texas, Falcons, Saints, and depending on Teddy Bridgewater's status, Lions, Panthers stand out as the games I'd be most willing to bet the overs in. So particularly, I mean, that Patriots-Texans game, like I, I get it, you know, the Patriots passing game has looked kind of up and down throughout the year, but you look at these past uh, two, three weeks specifically, they have had a lot more success. And, you know, I'd be shocked if we see Deshaun Watson only lead this offense to seven points again. So Patriots defense, you know, I think we're still giving them a little too much uh, credit. They've allowed the highest rate of explosive pass plays against this year, not having Steph on Gilmore having all those front seven COVID opt-outs they just haven't gelled yet so I think Cam Newton and Deshaun Watson could be putting up a lot of points this week all right if you want to check this out and anything else over at PFF uh go get yourself an edge subscription and you can get access to that uh over on PFF uh let's get to the bets I always like to talk about those but actually before I get to those uh, I want to remind everybody the FanDuel single entry series it's going on over there one entry, level playing field, three different buy-ins, $5, 33 and 100 It is running week six through 13. But even if you haven't played it the entire way, one, it's just a single entry contest anyway. That's pretty good on FanDuel. And two, if you have played it either once or twice, there is a six-man final. Takes your top four combined scores from week six to 13. So if you've played it once or twice, don't feel like you don't have a chance. You can still get in there and maybe advance to the final if you put up uh, a couple of good weeks at the end here. So make sure to go check that out <clears throat> over on FanDuel. Uh, all right, let's go to our bets of the week. Last week, I, I didn't like the line, so I went with the overs club. I want one and two. I'm looking to bounce back this week. I'm back on basically my tried and true, and that's picking some teams against the spread. My first one is Miami. I know you poo-pooed two and not, you know, having to go east to west, but uh, – Newsflash, the Broncos suck and the Dolphins are pretty good. I got this at three, I believe, on Monday. It's up to three and a, three and a half now, so I like getting that extra hat, you know, landing right on the three. That, you know, that means a lot to me in the betting world to see it move to three and a half, but I still think that's pretty bettable. Uh, Drew Locke has some ribs. Uh, that Broncos defense got absolutely thrashed by the run game of the Raiders last week. I think they're um, probably one of the worst teams in the league, and Miami is certainly a top-half team in the league. I don't understand why this is just three and a half. Uh, Ian, what's your take on that game? I just see this as – uh, the, the Dolphins pretty much just cruising to victory. Yeah, it's just how much longer can this defense kind of carry this team? Because Tua, he's 3-0. The guys that have been asked to throw the ball more than 30 times in the game yet this season, and he's not really running the ball either. So really out of that offense, I don't think we've seen much to really hang our hat on over the past few weeks. So, you know, when you're facing Drew Locke and the Broncos, like I understand how this could be the matchup where the defense just again takes over. But I don't know, man. Like we were hesitant on uh, Justin Herbert on, on the show last week just because he was traveling across the country and it did seem like the week if there was going to be one for a true rookie floor game i just think you know looking at going to mile high traveling you know from miami to denver and just again not really showing us all that much in terms of consistent efficiency so far uh it's, it's more of a stay away from me or bet the under 
I hammer, hammered that three, and I'm um, I'm glad to see it go to three and a half. Uh, what's what's one or two bets you're looking at this week? I see you got the Lions. This one's there's a lot up in the air in this game. Exactly. The Kenny Galladay news I think sort of hurts you a little bit. Galladay news hurts. Knowing Teddy could be back hurts. I mean, when I wrote this down, this was before seeing that Galladay wasn't practicing and that Teddy has a chance. So we'll see on those. But if it is the PJ Walker show, I do think you know for the Lions to only be favored by two and a half is a little bit absurd. Man, I watched every single snap of the XFL. Like, I absolutely love that shit. PJ Walker is the man. But he was great in the XFL, but that was a bad Yeah, one. come on, man. And <laughs> even that was, like, a little bit fluky. He was playing in this June Jones up-tempo, wide-open offense. He was, like, the second-worst quarterback in the XFL in passer rating when throwing in – fewer than two and a half seconds all of his big plays were like off script creating with his legs you know getting out of the pocket all things that we saw him try to do in the nfl preseason it's not like this guy just never had a chance in the nfl he did he wasn't good enough he looked great in the xfl and he's getting far too much benefit of the doubt i think so this lions team look they've been up and down throughout the year but more weeks than not they have actually been a, a pretty competitive just not doing a great job of you know holding on some of these uh leads but two and a half points against a guy that again washed out in the nfl before playing well in the XFL, give me that all day. But yes, depends on so, how some of those injuries shake out. Uh, also, I like the Washington football team, minus one. Again, the more I look at this, man, Joe Burrow, I like the guy, but it's just pressure, 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 man. Washington football team can put it on opposing quarterbacks better than almost anyone. They've been a top 10 defense all year in that pressure rate. And credit to Alex Smith, man. I was one of the more critical guys of his uh, performance in the first two weeks. But last week, he hit that fourth and 14 to kind of get them down inside the five-yard line. After that, we saw this passing game actually start to go through Terry McLaurin, go through Cam Sims, go through actual wide receivers that can do good things and not just funneling targets to J.D. McKissick. Once that happened, that's when the comeback happened. It wasn't the situation where it was like, oh, prevent, they just dick and dunk their way down the field, and that's why they got back in it. Alex Smith looked fantastic in those last, you know, I'd say 20, 25 minutes of that game, and that gives me a little more confidence. Again, and again, I think the uh, Washington football team defense can dominate. And then finally, yeah, the Packers, man, I know we're on the same page here. Mm -hmm. With or without Devontae, obviously having Devontae Adams will help a lot, but – Seeing this line swing four and a half points since opening in the Colts' direction, like why? I thought that you know I, I could not believe the Packers are underdogs in this game. I saw them; they were plus two. I went to bet this on Monday. I, I'm surprised this hasn't swung at, at all. I mean, I know the Packers struggled against Jacksonville and the Colts beat the Titans, but the Packers are miles better than than the Colts in basically every category on the field, in my opinion. That's what I'm saying, man. Like, look, the Titans game was probably the best that the Colts have looked all, all year, and credit to them. But we've seen a lot of examples this year. Remember, it was Minshew or Lamar Jackson having a combined, I think, five incompletions against these guys. Stafford went for over 300 yards and three touchdowns. Mayfield looked like a world beater in the first half. Burrow went for over 300 yards. Like, I think their secondary has oddly still not been tested all that much. They're good, but I don't think they're great enough to stop Aaron Rodgers with or without Devontae Adams. Yeah, I just think, you know, the defense, uh, okay, I'll give a slight hat tip to the Colts, but you know, I think the Packers offense is worlds better than this uh, Colts offense with or without uh, Devontae Adams. So, you know, credit to those guys for figuring it out last week. But yeah, man, give me the Packers all day here. Yeah, and the Colts, right? AJ Brown drops that basically a surefire touchdown. There's just a lot of fluky stuff. Changed the game. Yep. Yeah, I saw that. So, uh, I, I don't know. The Packers plus seems like that's probably the easiest bet of the week for me. Uh, if you like parlays, I got one. I mentioned I like the Dolphins. Um, they're a little favorites. Uh, the Steelers aren't losing, and the, you know it's always tough to think the Chargers aren't losing, but they're playing the Jets, and I know the Jets showed a little bit against the Patriots, but this is a really tough matchup. 
uh, at least for the passing game, and uh, Michael P. Ryan ain't it on the run game. So uh, if you want to parlay the Steelers, Chargers, and Dolphins, I checked that on the DK Sportsbook. That's plus 136. Uh, you get some nice odds uh, on that one. I, j- I just don't see how the Steelers or Chargers lose. I like the Dolphins to win pretty easily. Uh, get some money on the money line there. Uh, I think you can do that one. Uh, I-, I do want to know, so Teddy Bridgewater is questionable. Uh, the latest report looks like he moved around decently well in practice. They're going to give him a shot to, to see if he can actually play on Sunday morning. And it's not official, but uh, I poked around on Twitter, and it looks like Devontae Adams practiced in full. I'm expecting him to play. Hit that Packers bet. Uh, so let's go on go on that one. Uh, and that's going to change a lot of things here because now as we transition into the plays, right, let's talk. We were thinking – we, we've got a cheap quarterback and we've got a cheap tight end on FanDuel. We've lost DeAndre Swift, who was by far and away going to be the highest owned running back of the week after his big performance. It looks like he's not going to play. So salary, where we're able to spend and where we're able to save has completely changed from basically 24 hours ago. So if you listen to something earlier in the week, you got to kind of <laughs> change, change what you're doing here. And I just don't see... You know, on FanDuel, I guess we'll first start on this. Taysom Hill at your tight end position. Super flex, right? We get to do that on FanDuel on the main slate. I'm happy about it. Super flex should be like DFS, fantasy, everything. This should be the standard. I'm glad we get to, you know, try it out on FanDuel this week. Play Taysom Hill. But on DraftKings, he's 4,800. I was talking to Derek Cardi. You know, he updated the blitz right before the show. Uh, Taysom Hill has either the highest or the second highest projection at the quarterback position. Uh, he looks like, you know, Cam Newton, uh, a beefier Cam Newton in the run game. He's still going to be able to pass against Atlanta. Uh, how do you not play him at 4,800 now? Yeah, that's the thing. You just have to. And I think this actually gives us a chance this week. I remember in uh, 2016, team jam him in, Le'Veon Bell and David Johnson yeah. every week. Let's get that going with Alvin Kamara and Dalvin Cook. Let's just jam I'm souring on Kamara now. I think I, I, I'm playing Dalvin Cook. I'm a little sour on Kamara, I think. I don't know, man. I just think if we get Kamara and Taysom in there, we're getting probably every single off, every single touchdown the Saints offense is scoring. I know Latavius is going to be in there chipping in his ways, but it's not like – I mean, the types of targets Kamara gets should be the easiest thing ever for Taysom Hill to get in there and replace. I'd be far more worried about Michael Thomas and those guys. So we'll play around with them more, but I really like the idea of trying to jam in both those uh, top backs. But yeah, I do think Taysom Hill off 4,800 and cash games, particularly, you just got to go uh, with them there and really not think twice about it. It gets a little more interesting if you want to look at tournaments. This Patriots Texans game, again, is one that I'm, you know, willing to try to take some uh, GPP darts on because Cam Newton, you can honestly go, you can go with him and Jacoby Myers and you have a good chance of getting every single, you know, passing and rushing touchdown for this Patriots offense and I mean it's a matchup that really I think sets up the Patriots really well against a defense that just can't stop the run and even with Bradley Roby projected to shadow Jacoby Myers that's not a matchup we need to worry about everybody and I'm not even hating on Roby per se but I just don't think that you know he's the type of guy at this point to really downgrade someone particularly when we're talking about the sort of targets that Jacoby's seeing and on the other side of the ball, man, why not Deshaun Watson, Will Fuller, and Brandon Cooks? Again, this is not the same Patriots defense we've seen in past years. They've been the worst defense in the whole league in explosive pass play rate allowed. They just don't have the talent at this point, I think, to make uh, a, b- a bunch of big plays when they need to. We saw them do okay against the Ravens, but even then, in a freaking monsoon, Lamar Jackson has best passing game since week one. So it's just a game where I think that I'm not sure either defense can slow down the offense, and it's very stackable if you look at both sides. So, you know, not the highest total game on the slate or anything like that that and I think people are still just looking at this Patriots offense as a unit that can't move the ball at all but you know don't be afraid to take a chance you can even go Cam Newton naked I think and uh, look at you know just getting uh, getting back with some of the Texans guys so a lot of opportunity in that Texans Patriots game 
Yeah, so I want to talk about, at least for tournaments, uh, you know, the, the state of NFL DFS this week is we don't have, outside of Lamar, and now we have Taysom Hill, but who are you going to really stack Taysom Hill with? Do you think he's going to throw for 320 yards and two touchdowns to Michael Thomas? I don't know. I think that's a, a difficult task. Uh, you can actually get there with the statue quarterbacks, in my opinion, this week. I don't think we're going to need 35 or 40 fantasy points from our quarterback, and that is bringing me uh, to Ben Roethlisberger, who the, the Steelers have realized they have the best wide receiver crew in the league, and they've also realized that James Conner is total dust and sucks. So even in a very positive game script last week, we saw the Steelers throw 46 times against the Bengals, a team you can run all over at will, and they were just like, nah, Ben's too good, our receivers are too good. And not only was it last week, he's thrown for 40-plus times, 46, 42, and 49 pass attempts in three of his last four games. They know they are unstoppable on offense if they just throw the ball at will. Ben Roethlisberger can do that. He can have 303 this week and get you there. He can have 304. I think the Jaguars might pose, I mean, also like the Jaguars defense, I think they're going to be missing a couple of their top cornerbacks this week. It's just he's going to be able to complete passes at will. You've got Claypool, the touchdown threat, Deontay with those short yardage, able to break one long. You've got Juju who just gets fed targets in that intermediate section. Uh, a completely unstoppable passing game. So I'm looking at Ben Roethlisberger uh, as one of my favorite GPP quarterbacks. I haven't used the statue quarterbacks too many times this season, uh, but this is basically the one week I think we can get away with it. Yeah, I've been lower on Roethlisberger kind of throughout the year because we look at what he was doing in the first kind of eight weeks and they weren't throwing as much and he's still averaging, you know, a career low average target depth. But yeah, to your point, I think they've really just realized that the best part of their passing game and just their offense as a whole is this wide receiver group and i would expect even in a matchup where you know you would think that they could kind of get james connor back on track uh which hey maybe as a gpp dart wouldn't be a bad idea to go that angle but i am with you i think rossberg will have more than enough pass attempts to meet value here all right i want to switch gears let's go to running back and earlier in the week right we were looking at duke johnson and deandre swift and a couple other cheap running backs now dalvin cook has entered because we have Taysom hill at quarterback we've got Maybe an Adrian Peterson. There's some other cheap running backs there in there. We have the money for Dalvin Cook. How do you not play a guy who has 30 rush attempts in two of his last three games? This is unheard of in 2020 NFL to see a running back get that many attempts. And when the Vikings get up, what do they do? They run the ball even more. And you can run all over Dallas. This is about the best possible play you can have, in my opinion. I think of the season at just 9,000 on DraftKings. For some reason, he's 200 less than Kamara. That doesn't make much sense. Even at 10-5 on FanDuel, jam him in. I don't see how this doesn't play out as you know a complete and total smash in cash games this week. Yeah, and I got my working cash lineup. I'm still tinkering uh, throughout the show. And I do think you're probably right that you don't necessarily need to go with Alvin Kamara at that price point. Because if you go down, you can even go down like to Derrick Henry or someone that works out okay. But right now, I love the idea of having Dalvin Cook and Duke Johnson in there as cash game targets. Like, I'm not letting last week scare me away from Duke at all. He played more than we were hoping for, man. I was thinking we'd get like the 70% snap rate and he'd still be losing some early down stuff. No, he was out there for 94% of the Texans' offensive snaps. The problem was they were playing in you know one of the worst weather games of the season and that cleveland game deshaun watson only scored seven points so you look at when they played last year against a much better version of the patriots defense they really didn't have an answer for duke johnson i mean he had a nice receiving touchdown he looked like the true slasher that i think uh, we were expecting him to be last week so again i'm not afraid of this patriots defense this week i think duke is far too cheap for an every down back uh you can go down to adrian 
Adrian Peterson at 4K, you know, pretty much a, a free square. It's going to be getting 15 plus touches, assuming DeAndre Swift is out. But no pass game usage. We know that. I think uh, going with Duke and Dalvin Cook is the way to go. Uh, with GPP, I think Miles Sanders is the best GPP play of the week, man. Six nine hundred. Again, we'll see if the ownership uh, catches up to him. But right now, I mean, I'm seeing. At least, uh, you know, the over other guys of Fancy Labs, Aaron Jones, Nick Chubb, uh, you know, and then even a little bit lower, Zico Elliott uh, projected for higher ownership. So we'll see how that kind of finishes up because Miles Sanders is another guy that we can expect to be out there more snaps than not. I don't even think Jordan Howard is going to be active. I wouldn't really let that uh, influence anyone too much. If anything, he'll be in that Corey Clement one, two, or three touch uh, per game type of role. But against this Miles Garrett, Les Brown's defense, that already wasn't, you know, a big time fear. Love Miles Sanders. And then last one, just Mike Davis. Only $100 cheaper. Like Mike Davis in the games this year that he hasn't been playing well in, which has, you know, coincidentally been kind of his last uh, three or four starts. But you look at those games and they've ran 52, 43, and 47 plays. Usually they're running 60 plus. And like they have average 60.2 plays per game. So it wasn't like in these games that, you know, Mike Davis was just losing a ton of work to Curtis Samuel or Trenton Cannon or any of these other, other guys that got out there. He has continued to be the feature back there. He just hasn't, you know, been in these ideal games. When we say running backs don't matter, it's because they're just more dependent on game script and their teammates than other positions. And now he's in a matchup against the Lions where I know, you know, they're popping out in the mismatch manifesto as, you know, maybe not being that great in terms of yards before contact. But we know Mike Davis is always a threat, you know, to rack up those five plus receptions. And I think if we just get more of a neutral game script where the Panthers are out there for the usual allotment, we can see Mike Davis get back in that RB1 territory. Yeah, uh, I you mentioned uh, Duke Johnson. I pulled up uh, on PFF. I always like these team grades. Uh, I don't know, Devin, if you want to bring my screen up here, but you can see Patriots 30th in rush defensive grade as a team throughout the whole season. So it does set up for a nice little bounce back week. And I think in those weather games we've had, you have to you can't believe any statistic from those games, whether it's the run game or the pass game, because obviously you can believe in the snap counts, but teams just you know you can't pass. So then they can stop the run very easily. So yep. those games just don't exist to me when I'm looking at statistics and things like that. So that does set up pretty nicely. Uh, I want to go to Antonio Gibson. Uh, I will bring him up. He is my tournament play of the week. And it sort of goes back to what you said on the, you know, the battle of the trenches, the offensive line and defensive line is I think the Washington pass rush could absolutely decimate the Bengals. And what is that set up for? That's shorter fields. That's Antonio Gibson sort of recreating this 20 rush, 128 yards and a touchdown score uh, like he had against Dallas a couple of weeks ago. So I'm looking at him in tournaments. He's 5,800. We've got him around 10% owned on DraftKings. That's about as low as I, I really like to go for running backs. I'm not trying to find someone who doesn't really have much of a projected workload. Uh, I think he pairs very nicely with the Washington defense in tournaments uh, as a correlative play. Uh, that that's uh, that's someone that's really high on my radar for tournaments this weekend. I think that makes sense. And, you know, you talk to Ron Rivera, Washington has two Christian McCaffrey. Yeah, it must be nice. <laughs> must be nice, Ron. Uh, let's see here. Anything else at the running back position or you want to head on to wide receivers? Let's head on to wide receivers. All right. So I guess let's talk. Uh, a lot of things have changed here. I think we're going to be able to play Devontae Adams. One, we have the salary. And two, there's a couple salary-saving options now at the wide receiver, receiver position. One of them is Jacoby Myers, who looks like he's probably going to be the highest-owned receiver on the slate um, based on everything I'm looking at here. So I got a question for you. What, what matters most here? Because his individual matchup against Bradley Roby 
it's not easy. It's not a good matchup in any way, shape, or form. But when you're getting like 45% of the team's targets, what's going to win out here? It's really hard to overlook that. He's priced, I think it's a mistake on DraftKings. What is he, 4900 He should probably be in the mid to high fives based off his work, if not even a little bit higher here. How are we going to grade this out here? Because it's too, you know, what matters more? Is it the wide receiver cornerback matchup? Is Myers as good? Or is it just Cam's just throwing him the ball every chance he can get? I've always treated cornerback matchups as a tiebreaker for similarly ranked players. That's not what we're looking at here. I think Jacoby Myers is still a smash at this, uh, you know, valuation because look, since week seven, top four targets for the Patriots, James White, 11 targets, Rex Burkhead, 12, Demir Bird, 13, Jacoby Myers, 35. Like he is just being featured so far and away ahead of anyone else in this offense that I'm not worried about the Bradley Roby matchup. And it's mm-hmm. not like Roby has just been shutting down every single guy he's faced. Adam Thielen went for 114 yards and a touchdown. AJ Brown went for 58 yards and two touchdowns. I'm not saying Jacoby Myers is as good as either of those guys, but I just think about more than enough volume to uh, make up for him in this spot. And hey, man, maybe we get a, a passing touchdown out of him again. Truly, I mean, Jacoby Myers, I, I know that was fluky and okay, he's probably not going to throw the ball this week, but they're treating him as, you know, kind of their wide receiver that they want to funnel their kind of best design plays to. So even if it's not going to be a passing touchdown every week, a reverse, this or that, the Patriots are treating Jacoby Myers as, you know, honestly, the kind of top playmaker uh, in the wide receiver and tight end course. So I think we got to continue to go back uh, to the well with him there. All right, let's talk a couple of cheapies. I got one, you got another. I'll let you go first, and then uh, I'll throw my hand to the ring for a cheap wide receiver. I think Michael Gallup is an option, man, at 3700 Like, if you just want to help open up even more room and try to get up to multiple of these high-priced guys, I think it makes sense. And, look, he has been the featured, you know, third guy with Andy Dalton under center. It's been Amari Cooper, 18 targets, CeeDee Lamb, 18, Zeke, 13, and then Michael Gallup in fourth place at 10. So, not ideal, and I understand this Vikings defense has looked better, but, look, my Michael Gallup throughout this whole year, he plays outside receiver. He's got the highest average target there from the Cowboys. Like he's like just, you know, kind of a lower expectation Marquise Brown. He's running all these deep routes. They're going to produce a lot of bus games, but at some point we will see a boom. It could happen this week. I don't think the Vikings, you know, cornerbacks necessarily uh, are able to keep up with any of these Cowboys wide receivers. Just a matter of Andy Dalton and company can uh, get it going. So look, you know, if it was normal expectations for Gallup, you know, in the mid 5,000 range, like he was, you know, for most of the early part of the year, no, we wouldn't be taking a chance because of all the, you know, pit uh, pitfalls, you know, potentially that could uh, be going to this Cowboys offense. But at 3,700, man, that just seems way too cheap for, again, someone that we know is truly talented. It's just a matter of if the, his quarterback is able to give him the ball as well as possible. So I think he'd go down there, you know, and then you just have the possibility to get up to, to your uh, Devontae Adams or even your Terry McLaurin at 6,900, who I think makes a lot of sense. So, well, uh, last last few points I'd make. Amari Cooper at 5,400, man. Look, like that would be a you know too high for Michael Gallup, but Cooper has been the featured Cowboys receiver with Dak and Dalton under center. So I think, you know, in a matchup that he should be able to win on the outside, uh, 5,400 in tournaments uh, makes a little bit of sense. Also, Tyler Boyd at 5,600. Like we're talking about this Washington pass rush causing a lot of problems. Well, it's causing a lot of problems. It makes sense that Burrow leans on a slot receiver more than ever in those shallow underneath areas of the field. Credit to the Washington football team defense. They've allowed the fewest fantasy points per game to opposing wide receiver units, but nobody has dropped back more often than Joe Burrow this year. And at this point, Boyd is cemented as number one guy. Uh, last point I'll make, Mike Williams at 5,100, maybe my favorite wide receiver play of the week. I don't think anyone on this Jets defense can guard him. And again, setting up for just an absolute Justin Herbert smash boss. So Mike, you know, Herbert, Keenan Allen, get them all in there. I think if we could see a just massive Chargers explosion. 
And with the Taysom Hill at 4,800, Herbert was going to be one of the higher-owned quarterbacks. He is certainly dropping down uh, the scale in ownership when it all resets. So that'll be a, a nice little stack. I think Mims is, the, is going to be the guy everyone goes to if they're looking for a cheap receiver. He's 3,300. Um, but you mentioned Gallup. Another guy I got out here is KJ Hamler. And I, in, I've been playing this, doing DFS for seven, eight, nine years, right? I'm, I'm not OG OG, like a head chopper who was playing before you can even make a hundred bucks doing this thing. But I, I was basically the next wave on that. And I have never seen no, the, the amount of no interest in a $3,600 receiver that has 10 targets in back-to-back games like I'm seeing from KJ Hamler this week. He avoids the two toughest cornerback matchups on the outside of the Dolphins as well. He gets to run wild in the slot. Uh, I don't understand what's going on here. I, I think Miami crushes this game, which really sets up for Hamler. And he's also went to uh, a near full-time role. He overtook Tim Patrick as sort of the other uh, wide receiver out there. So uh, I think Hamler, 3,600 in tournaments, is getting completely disrespected uh, after those back-to-back 10-target games. Tough to predict 10 targets, but he certainly has the eye of Drew Locke. And uh, I know Drew Locke is not the greatest quarterback in the history of the NFL, uh, but when you're getting 10 targets in the NFL, it's it's hard to overlook KJ Hamler. So he's someone I'm looking at in tournaments. So you got a take on that? Yeah, I love it, man. Because Hamler, to this point, I mean, we haven't seen him really bust many big plays. Yeah. You know, only averaging 11.4 yards per reception. And I don't think he got a ton of hype. One reason, because he didn't go to the combine and kind of put – on you know just put the number down that we think he's capable of this is a legit 4 40 type yeah. of guy i mean he just i mean look i've watched every ohio state game over the past you know two decades when he ran away from this defense as a freshman i was like who the hell is that guy that guy is now kj hamler you know even in this good matchup against the dolphins to your point he will have the better matchup on the inside and i just think you know it's a matter of when not if he takes one of these short passes and takes it all the way to the house because he has that sort of game breaking speed yeah, uh, so keep an eye on him. There's a lot of good cheap wide receivers this week. I think you can uh, differentiate yourself quite a bit between Gallup. Which, which is great. Last week was like the tightest pricing slate of the year. Uh, now we have all the options available. Yeah, Jakeem, Jake, Jakeem Grant leading the way. Uh, I think he's <laughs> Oh, no, I had D- Diggs was my savior at the end there, and then uh, Jakeem Grant uh, held, held steady for me. So it ended up uh, – the, the cash lines weren't very high last week, so thankfully I was able to get ahead of those. Uh, all right, moving to tight end. And, you know, earlier in the week, it was it was a position I was looking to just play. Whoever was the cheapest guy I thought could get a couple of targets. But now I have some money, and it's hard to not really look at Mark Andrews anymore because, like, I think he's the best known quantity out there. He's just 4,900. Uh, we saw last week he popped back up to a season high in targets in nine against the Patriots. We saw Tennessee. I mean, if the Colts are going to score a bunch of points against them, why can't Baltimore? I think Andrews is pretty interesting. Uh, a, a couple other statistics on him. Uh, there's no there's no pass rush for Tennessee. They rank 31st in adjusted sack rate. Uh, they've allowed the 11th most, most fantasy points to tight ends. Uh, if you go to Gridiron IQ, uh, one of the premium tools here, I don't think I have it up uh, live on the Baltimore section, uh, but I have it up here. Uh, let's see here. I can probably pull it up for some of you guys watching live. If you ever want to check out uh, the premium stuff here behind the paywall, if you've never had it before, uh, we are offering $5 off. It's rotogrinders.com slash media slash PFF. Uh, but I'll give you a quick look here. You go to Baltimore on the passing side. I mean, it's a lot of green. It looks pretty good. There's no pressure. They don't get sacks. They allow 
Uh, a lot of passing yards. The success rate's high. The expected points added on passing plays is good. Um, like the, the Tennessee defense isn't great. Uh, why not Mark Andrews? I think the other guy is probably going to be Dallas Goddard. He's 3,800. Uh, what did he have? Seven targets last week, six targets. Uh, and going up against Cleveland, uh, I think that's pretty reasonable too. But I, I have this month mid-tier. It's a pretty horrible position. Uh, I, I think I'm okay trying to fit Andrews in there this weekend. Yeah, and again, you know, kind of getting off my original strategy to start the show about jamming in um, Kamara and Dalvin Cook makes it a lot more feasible to get up to Mark Andrews. Don't forget, man, like Nick Boyle was being really annoyingly involved in this offense. I mean, a good player and everything, but just in terms of wanting Andrews to get the most targets possible, removing uh, Boyle from equation i think helps a lot we saw andrews last week with Boyle, you know going down i believe it was in the second quarter ran a season high 35 routes so mm-hmm. we know he's got the ability it's just kind of been an up and down passing offense uh, throughout the season i would also throw out logan thomas as someone i feel like we say his name every week but you know he's been consistent even, even with Alan, alex smith under center now he's caught at least three passes in four straight games scored twice and gone you know for 60 plus yards twice so you know it's just been the most maddening position in fantasy football i think this entire season so i understand it's not the not the greatest but if you really want to go the cheapest guy you can feel somewhat okay about i do think it's logan thomas and yeah echoing your point i love dallas goddard at 3800 i was expecting you know a really big game from last week and seeing him maybe get to that 5,000 mark the fact he's gone backwards is now under 4k uh definitely take advantage of him while his salary remains low and also uh, tj hawkinson at 4200 if kenny Galladay is going to be out man hawkinson is going to be one of the more featured guys we've seen uh, without Galladay in the lineup, you know, Stafford has had his only four games all year without double-digit average uh, t- uh, target depth. But even if uh, Galladay remains sidelined, I think we could see him have to be a little more aggressive without DeAndre Swift there to take all those checkdowns. So, to me, that means Marvin Jones, TJ Hawkinson. And if Galladay's in, that's fine too. But either way, Hawkinson at 4,200. This is the guy that has the consensus, like, tight end two in the industry, uh, I believe, last week with uh, Kelsey on by. So, you know, the fact he's down there that cheap, uh, I-, I think it's just too low. Uh, so for tournaments, one guy I'm interested in, you can, you know, if you think you can get four targets at the tight end position, you're probably doing pretty good this week, in my opinion. But w- one thing I'm doing is, uh, you know, I talked earlier, those win games in Cleveland, you ba- you have to disregard anything that happened in those outside of snap rates. Well, speaking of snap rates, Austin Hooper played 85% of the snaps last week. He's back and uh, against Philadelphia, What's not to like here? Uh, Eagles are allowing the seventh highest percent of passes to tight end and the fifth highest success rate on passes to the tight end. Uh, and I know you're going to want to run Philadelphia. Uh, they've always been tough against the run generally, but you you know you can run on them this year. And I know Cleveland wants to run, uh, but Austin Hooper, you know you can't discount enough the win games. He was hurt for a little bit here. You could see him have close to a double-digit target game one or two more times this season without Odell Beckham in here. Why can't it happen this week? Uh, I think he could easily lead all tight ends in scoring, especially if he finds the end zone. Uh, So he's someone I'm looking at at the uh, tight end position for tournaments. Yeah, I like that call. I mean, look, back – all the way back and was a week two, week three. Tyler Higby scored three touchdowns against uh, this mm-hmm. Eagles. Where did that go? <laughs> Where did that go? When did that happen? But yeah, no, I think the Hooper bounce back. It's like the it's like the you know just post hype bounce back natural. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. Anything else you want to do in tournaments, or you want to round this out with some defenses? 
Uh, we can move on to defenses. I think the cheapest uh, you can go is the Broncos at 2,400. They're home. Mentioned about Tua. Like, I think the Dolphins, the, the way we see the Dolphins winning is their defense dominating. I don't think anyone is coming out here and saying the Dolphins offense, you know, is something that we need to fear at all. Credit to Tua for playing some turnover free ball so far, but it's easy to play turnover free ball when you know, you're up multiple scores pretty much the entire time. So Broncos 2,400 at mile high, I think makes sense. Uh, the Vikings at 3,300. This is a defense that we were, you know, happy targeting in the beginning of the year but you know Mike Zimmer I think has been one of the best overall defensive coaches for the better part of his coaching career and you look at them since they're by only 22 points allowed against the Packers 20 against the Lions and most recently 30 or 13 against the Bears so you know now they're moving out of the NFC North to the NFC East which is even better for them so I I think, uh, you know, they have more than enough resources to make life difficult for Andy Dalton and company. Uh, maybe, you know, the best middle of, bo of both worlds. You don't want to pay off too much. You also don't want to go too cheap. That's the Washington football team defense at 2,900. We've talked about them and their chances, you know, to kind of get after Burrow uh, all, really for the last hour. And then to your point uh, about Anto Antonio Gibson, perfect and affordable uh, stacking partner there. Yeah, a couple other ones. Uh, the Lions, got to see what happens there. I think we both like that one a little bit. Uh, it with no CMC and if PJ Walker does start, that one looks pretty good. Mention the Bengals, uh, the Steelers and Chargers. Duh, if you can start them, uh, of course you want to use them. They do cost a little bit more. Um, I, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not on the Broncos against Tua. They look like they're going to be pretty popular, uh, but I would probably spend up to something like the Washington football team or try to get the Lions instead of. I just think the Broncos defense is so bad. Uh, not not something I'm all too interested this week. Uh, hey, real quick, we just got news that Joe Mixon is ruled out. Mm -hmm. Any, I, mean, I think we're kind of expecting that, but we didn't talk about Giovanni Bernard at 5,500. You know, good GPP pivot off of Duke. Yeah, I think you can do this. Sal hey, sign me up for some Salvin Ahmed too. I mean, uh, he's getting all the touches. I mean, you can do a Matt, lot of. There's we a got Matt Breida back though. Matt Breida's back. I think I it's going to hurt him a little good. bit. Maybe a little bit, but I don't expect that too much. Uh, it, the, the thing I like with Mixon out, and that's what I was expecting, is Mixon runs the ball. Gio, Giovanni Bernard does not run the ball. So it's just more pass attempts, more shots for that Washington defense to get some sacks, in my opinion. True. Like that. So, uh, all right. I think that's going to about wrap up this show. Uh, I believe we will be back on, uh, on next Friday. Uh, of course, we will have a fewer games to talk about because we have the Thanksgiving slate. Uh, so pay attention earlier in the week if you're playing the Thanksgiving slate. I think everybody that plays NFL DFS does. There will be a million hours of content uh, about that slate here on Roto-Grinders. Make sure to check that out. And then if you're looking uh, for some stuff for the Sunday slate, uh, I think that might start with uh, the PFF show here on Friday. Uh, Ian, as always, uh, a blast doing these shows with you. Uh, excited to get into this week 11 slate, making some teams. Uh, thanks to Ian for joining me. Thanks to everybody for watching and listening. With that said, we out you.